Hello, 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 and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I am a play therapist, and I live and I work in Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy, coming at those things from a child-centered perspective. And it's been quite a week here in the old U.S. of A. The only way that I've been able to feel some sense of calm or normalcy inside of myself is to pretend that I'm some like Jane Goodall or something and that I'm just watching a bunch of chimpanzees running around doing their thing and I feel a little bit disconnected from it and then I have a crisis moment where I realize that I'm one of those chimpanzees and I say all of that to say that I just feel a little scattered inside of myself and I doubt that anyone would really notice, but I don't know if I would be being authentic if I said otherwise, or if I said nothing at all about it, because I think uh, we all feel yeah a little more tense this week, maybe a little more uh, distracted and distractible, maybe a little more reactive. I don't know what that looks like for you, and maybe you are an individual who has a relationship to their life where you can maintain a sense of balance and composure and poise and inner wisdom when things are askew in the sort of larger sense, the societal sense, the national sense. But uh, yeah, I guess that's that's all I want to say about that anyway. And today on Playtime, I feel pulled to focus less on what we can ourselves as clinicians or parents or teachers or people can give to children. I feel more called to talk about what children can provide us by their presence and just by them being themselves. I spent some time trying to find this James Baldwin quote or passage and was unable to find it, so I am going to butcher it, but hopefully still capture its essence. Somewhere in James Baldwin's writings, he talks about how black people know white people much better than white people know black people and the way that and the things that black people know about white people are things that the white people might not even know about themselves and he goes on to talk about the reason for that right that when you're you're living in a position where you're under someone or you're subservient to someone or you have less power than someone you have a focus on them it behooves you to pay attention to what's going on with them And I would hope, of course, that it goes without saying that I don't think that black people are less than white people. I think what James Baldwin is talking about is just the nature of living inside of a power imbalance. White privilege is a thing. Black people were brought over on boats as slaves and owned by white people. That's what we're talking about here. It can be applied even to a boss and their employees. Employees know way more about the boss that they have know what the boss's preferences are, how to talk to them, what they like and what they don't like, than the boss knows about their employees. And I think that that same principle can be applied when we talk about children and adults. That children, in so many different ways, and I'll start with some obvious ones, and then maybe we can 
move into some some less obvious ones but children have a way when we allow it to happen when we give this the opportunity to show us as adults a path forward to deeper self-knowledge and one of the ways that they do that is first off like if you've ever been in charge of a large group of children or really any child for a period of time you will get a clear sense of where your boundaries are as a person, what you're comfortable with and what you're uncomfortable with, what's your relationship to rules and structures, what is your relationship to being really strict, what does it look like when you start to get frustrated with something, how playful are you, where are your limits as a person, like like taking care of a child in any capacity is an invitation to get to know all of those different aspects of yourself. And each of those areas individually are perhaps parts of ourselves that we've never examined before. Like, gosh, what is my relationship to rules? What rules do I really care about and think are important? What rules do I think are just kind of arbitrary? And I realize I I don't actually care about these rules at all. Do I have large emotional reactions at times over things that maybe from an outside sense seem kind of small in order to maintain these structures and what is that emotional reaction and is that is that anger or is that some kind of vitriol is that some kind of fear and then if it is one of those things where did i acquire that thing or is that emotion serving me or does it feel like that's the authentic me is that how i actually want to respond in these circumstances I've often had uh, different adults in a child's world when they're struggling with that child say to me things like, this child knows exactly how to get what they want. They know exactly the pressure point with me to push whether it's the they like feel like they're being manipulated or something like yep they know when to hit this like really intense angry note or they can ask about this thing or sometimes they'll just like be really cold and back off from me entirely like they like they know what to do the dance of what to do in order to get what they want from me and what i'm always amazed by at the end of the day you know detaching from like whether or not the child should be doing that or what the parent could be doing differently blah 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 none none of that sort of solution focused stuff if i just kind of rest in that my first thought can be like my goodness your child is state of the art what crazy knowledge they acquired i might not know how to do the dance with you where i get what i want if i was in some situation with you the parent where i wanted something from you but this child knows you up and down, up and down, knows all of your spots. So let's even say they are being manipulative, and I don't like using that language because I think a lot of it's unconscious and a lot of it is state-of-the-art and a lot of it is done in dance with the parent. But the reality is when you have some spots, if you've got some spots that are a little weak as an adult and as therapists, we, we all have these spots and we all have these things that we work on. And it's not... When I say weak, what I want to say is that's a place for where we're sensitive. That's a place where we as an individual might have some work to do. But children find those spots like a freaking truffle pig or something. It's it's an amazing, amazing thing that they do. And we can say on the one hand that it's frustrating when they do that, right? When they it's frustrating when they find this spot and they've won. But what it calls us to as adults is like, ah, I just learned something about myself in this interaction with this other person. I learned an area where I can give some attention. We all have places as people on our journey 
where we could use some emotional attention. We all have growth that we could do unless you're some enlightened being. And if you're an enlightened being, I doubt highly that you would be listening to this podcast. And so those interactions are can also be framed as a gift and can also be framed as like, wow, what a beautiful and interesting thing that children are able to do. And at least for me, adults aren't like that in the same way. Like I could spend time with an adult and not really come into too much contact with the places that I need to grow as a person. Sometimes when adults are talking to each other, they'll even avoid, or I'll avoid, the places where I need to grow as a person. I'm not just going to share that with someone when I'm spending time with them. We probably won't really hit those spots in conversation, and if we do, we probably won't give them space. And not all my conversations with adults are like that, of course, but but many are, and that's and that's okay. Like, I'm not trying to judge that, but I think spending time with children is a little bit different than that somehow. The questions that children ask about the world, like, it can be annoying, the amount of questions that children ask. And if you're around a child who's asking a lot of questions a lot of the time, that can especially become taxing. And I also think that there is a large measure of joy to be found in going down these question rabbit holes with kids by answering their questions and by answering their questions honestly and it often invites me to develop relationship with things where it's like gosh yeah I don't really know why it's that way I guess or I never thought about things this way or I had never considered these sort of systems that I exist in explaining mortality to a child can help us as adults develop relationships to what does happen after we die. What is our relationship to human life? What is the point of human life? What is our relationship to people who have died before? What is our relationship to our own death? Talking to children about sex can help us realize areas there where we're uncomfortable, where we're unsure of ourselves, where we have some shame or some blocks towards having an easy and natural conversation about sex. And I, those are just two different areas, and I could name any number of areas, but, you know, I've seen some, like, online videos before of, like, people talking to children about death, and they're, like, kind of funny, and they're funny, ultimately, not because the child is particularly funny. They're funny because the adult is uncomfortable with the conversation, and when we realize that we're uncomfortable explaining something to a child, that's letting us know as adults, it's like, hey, I'm not solid with this thing inside of myself. There are areas inside of, like, my relationship to death is actually kind of weird or unsettled or I could feel anxious. And again, we can notice those feelings. We can be aware of those things. And we can recognize that it is the child and the questions of that child that brought us to a place of recognizing our own discomforts in the world. And not every conversation with a child is going to take you to some, like, interesting relationship with the world, but I certainly think that it can, that explaining the world to another person is definitely an interesting thing to do. And if you're like me in this time, I'm looking for some guidance, I'm looking for some some wisdom, I'm looking for some sources of inspiration and hope for a better world or a path to a better world or sources of inspiration that light up things inside of me that make me feel alive, that make me feel hopeful, that make me feel connected to others and a belief that we are all collectively as a species on some kind of a journey together. 
and I think that a like consistent source of that, at least for myself, is children. That let's even take something on a macro level, something like school, for instance. But if you ask a fair number of children about school, and I, as a therapist, I'm someone who is like asked to help children with their relationship to school all the time. And so in that sense, I'm biased. The majority of the people who I see might have a relationship to school that's uh, not the norm. But I'm consistently surprised when I meet a child who likes school. And while I don't want to go into some conversation about how school could be structured, I sometimes wonder how dramatically it would shift the world if school was a place that children really enjoyed going to. Like, not just some, but like a majority of them. On a deep level, connected with school, looked forward to school, thought about school in a way that where they were like, ooh, I can't wait to get back because I'm going to dive right back into this thing I was doing. And I understand the arguments that like, well, you know, school's not supposed to be about fun. It's supposed to be about learning and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I can imagine a world where school was different and then kids liked it. And I wonder if the world would be different. And that's not to, that's not to criticize. If you are a teacher during this pandemic, you deserve whatever you want (laughs) you deserve whatever you want i can't i can't even imagine i can't even imagine being online with that many children at one time so i don't say that to disparage the meaningful work that people are doing currently and i also just name all of that to say that whether it's and i think this is where most of the fruit is with children found in just being with them and interacting with them in their relationship with us we we will learn things about ourselves and those things that we learn are opportunities to develop a deeper and more self-aware relationship with ourselves and it is a consistent source of inspiration and growth that is literally everywhere there are children everywhere and i hope that uh those who do get to spend time with children you know it can be really difficult especially if you have a lot of children at one time but i think that when spending time with children it is possible to have a subtle reframe from i'm being manipulated and my boundaries are being tested to saying i am learning about myself in this process even just having a kernel of that knowledge it's like ah these are where my soft spots are these are where my boundaries are these are my places where i'm not solid inside of myself where I don't feel like myself, where I want to have a different relationship to this thing. And I'm being invited back to those places again and again and again when I'm with this child. And that even being a child therapist and you start spending time with a variety of different children, that we all find our places where it's like, yep, my relationship to this thing is like not where it could be. Like I'm a little soft and squishy sometimes and I, it's hard for me to hold solid boundaries or it's like, oh, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit too boundary and I get uncomfortable and a little bit anxious and I think that has some kind of effect on them. And that's just one example of sort of two poles with a particular thing. But there is a place of balance between those spots. There is a place of knowing when we're a little bit off kilter and children will, without fail, consistently invite us into relationship with that and congratulations you have made it to the end of 
playtime thank you so much for listening if you'd like to support the show though it's offered for free in the spirit of the gift like all podcasts head to patreon.com slash playtime podcast or the support the show link to support the show for as little as a dollar a month if you want to see more of my work including the child-centered children's book series head to barnettchildtherapy.com and yep i will catch all of you lovely people next time Thank you.